Hey, thank you for joining Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. As it says in the title, this is Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. This can have explicit content. We do cuss and we don't censor. And it could be content that's not suitable for kids under the age of 13. That being said, kiddos, please ask your parents to listen if you want to listen to one of these episodes. Parents, please use your best judgment if you are going to allow your kids to listen to this. This is content that I wish I knew when I was a kid, yet it does involve explicit content, and there are trigger warnings for both kiddos and adults. Read the description to read what it's about because there are way too many topics that we talk about that could be trigger warnings for any of us. We do wish you the best, and we really want to have this podcast out there to change shit you don't want to talk about to shit to talk about so we all have help and no longer feel alone. Much love. Enjoy the episode. Let's get started. Hey, Patrick. Thank you for joining Shit You Don't Want to Talk About today. Please give us a quick intro and let us know the shit that you want to talk about. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm so excited to be with you. So I am a licensed mental health counselor, and I am in in private practice in northern New York. Very awesome. And what shit do you want to talk about today? Well, I was thinking, you know, why don't we talk a little about anger? Because that's one of my areas that I love getting into. I like... There's like... That brings up like two emotions, like in the fact that anger can be really good for people that hide those emotions and never let it out. And then also can be bad when you just, you know, they don't have any control of anger. Exactly. And one of the things, excuse me, that I love to focus on is I do a lot of anger management groups as well as individual therapy, but I also do coaching as well, where I try to incorporate some of that uh, information and education into everything that I do because so many people deal with anger and they don't even know how they deal with anger. And it's, it's one of the relationships to our emotions that I find people can find the, the deepest answers, the deepest blockages and the deepest motivation. Oh, that is, that is fascinating. I'm excited about that. Before we get started, what got you into becoming a therapist, like a counselor, like that journey is so different for each of us. Right. And it's a really good question. So I had actually been living in South America for a few years and I came back home and I was feeling sort of lost. You know, I, I think if you've ever gone from one country to another, it's, it's a big transition when you come back because it's, it's just every aspect of you is changing and you're just trying to acclimate back into a, a new world in a way, even though you're from there. But anyway. Reverse uh, so culture I'm, shock. Reverse yes, culture exactly. shock. I've yes. experienced it many times. Reverse yes. culture shock. It's a thing. Yes. And so I I knew, I had known that I wanted to go back to grad school. I just didn't know for what. <clears throat> And I started looking into counseling programs, and th- some of the answers <laughs> seem a little superficial at this time, but it's it's the truth, is I wanted a job where I didn't have to wear a tie, where I could have my long hair, and where I had a lot of flexibility. Very cool. Very cool. Because, 
it just had wanted to be I in what that really comes down to is I just wanted to be authentic. I wanted to be who who I wanted to be and I wanted as many opportunities professionally as I could have. I didn't want to choose a career where it would be cookie cutter, you know, stuck at a desk for the rest of my life without any any real sense of adventure or change. Very so cool. After that I I went and I applied and got into grad school and fell in love with it. Absolutely. Um, you know, so many different aspects, so many different components and, and fields and specialties that you can get into. And I had the opportunity to have a lot of different internships uh, when I was in the program. So I was able to work with various populations and see which ones I was drawn to and other ones that, although I respect, it wasn't really my calling. Um, and then being able to to pull that into is when I graduated getting into the field and, and seeing what I wanted to specialize in. Very cool. And I know that this was a little glossed over, but I think it's something that so many people don't think of is that reverse culture shock. And what, first off, what brought you to South America? Like, where did you go? How long you were, were you there? And then how did you handle that reverse culture shock? Uh, I went, so my undergrad degree is Spanish and Latin American studies. And for part of the degree, you had to study abroad for at least a semester. That's so cool. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. I'm jealous. Well, it was really funny because I, I, I'm one of those people who believe in signs and when things feel right and when, when there's just things, you know, just that energy flows. And I had originally thought of going to Spain, uh, but it just never felt right. It didn't feel mm-hmm. connected. And then I saw this picture of Valparaíso, Chile in South America. Oh. And when I saw this picture, the, my, my instant reaction was that feels like home to me. That's so cool. And it was amazing. So I went down uh, for planned for one semester. And then I said, I really don't want to go home. I don't really want to go back. I'm really loving this. So I ended up finishing my undergrad undergrad degree in Chile. So I, you know, completed everything. I stayed in Chile. I came home for a couple months. uh, And then I went back for almost two more years. And then after that. (laughs) How, so... How long ago was that that you left? Let's let's when was the last time you lived there? Uh early 2000. Okay. And you've been back since then? Yes. There okay. And then Oh, so many so many questions I'm working on this <laughs> because I my first international trip with work uh, well, for me to be able to go international with my old job, they were like, you need to go dra- travel by yourself and see if you can actually handle it. And so many people I knew wanted to go on a trip to Machu Picchu. And I feel like that's such a weird, <laughs> like, I didn't know why I wanted to go to Machu Picchu. I guess I wanted to go to Machu Picchu just because everybody else did in Peru. And right. it's... It's such a different culture, and um, I did pay for some tours there, and I find it really cool because uh, the a couple that I was with uh, on the, one of the tours was from Chile, and they were 
the culture in South America in general, it, if you try with the language, like I don't know Spanish. I wish I did. I, and that is something I can change, you know, if I actually <laughs> concentrate on it is, it's some of the kindest people I've ever met in the most welcoming. And that was at least for me going into the reverse, uh, culture shock for myself is, and I, I don't know if it's like this in Chile is there's a lot more focus on family and to like relationships than on the aesthetics and, you know, high tech items and, um, the way the buildings look and cars and that type of thing. Um, did you see that when you were in Chile or was that different experience for you? Well, it's really funny <laughs> that you asked that because I was actually a tour guide for a while. <laughs> so I I really got to see the history and the beauty of the his like because like, I think when you're looking at history, it's magical because you're it looking is. at all these different time frames. And so one of the things is in the, one of the main plazas in Santiago, Chile is, you know, they had the coop in 1973, and you can actually see in the buildings where the bullet holes are. So it was just like this, you know, you I was reading about it because I was studying literature at the time. And so you, you're reading this, this, you know, just like anywhere, whether it's in the States or whether it's in Chile. But it, to be the tour guide is like, you're not only knowing the story, but you're selling it to someone else. So then you you know you're you're creating that visualization of as a tour as a tourist and you're doing this tour with me I want you to be able to transport yourself back into this time and see it and being able to see the different and Chile is so amazing because the country is so diverse depending if you're the north the central or the south it's 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 so many different worlds one of the things that surprised me when I was there was that they really, at that time, they really took Sunday as a day of rest, and most things were actually closed. Which, coming from okay. the States, okay. <laughs> coming from the States, I was like, but wait, why don't we go to the, it's, everything's closed. I'm like, uh, okay. So I guess, you know, it forced me to learn how to relax and take time and, and slow down. That, that, that is something that I, I learned in Peru as well. I was there for two weeks, and... One, I did a, I was in uh, Mira, Miraflores, which is the hoity-toity suburb, from what I understand, of Lima, the capital there. And the tour guide, actually, we did, I did two tours. One tour took me to a lot of the museums and learning, oh my gosh, to any of, all of the listeners, please go on tours with tour guides. Mm, it is, mm-hmm. it is so magical. Like you were explaining yes. because they took me to, I don't remember names whatsoever, but like the most, uh, the, the well-known church in Lima. And it's, it's magical being able to hear the history that you're not going to know if you just go there. And for myself, I'm not a, I have a hard time with reading. I'm very, very dyslexic. So being able to go with a tour guide uh, to the museums was just, they explained the things and why they were important instead of just, hey, this is a bull from ancient times. And they also, uh, in Peru, they at least explained how, um, you know, Catholicism came in and how the Peruvian language is slowly going away because it's not actually taught in schools or anything. And then also, like the other tour I went on, 
is because I went with a couple that was from Chile. Uh, our tour guide was like, well, I don't know if you want to go to like the f- actual food area, Jen, like that's a kind of like most Americans find that sketchy. And I'm like, well, if this couple says it's cool, I'm down. And I got to try um, piranha and piranha oh, eyeball fun. and seeing the chickens like, you know, just skinned and hanging out and hanging everywhere. That was in such a short time. What is What are some of your memories that you enjoyed the most from living in Chile? Uh, so the, the city that I lived in is called Valparaíso and it's a port city and it is one of the most beautiful places in Chile because it's made up of, it's sort of like an amphitheater if you ever look at pictures of it and it's made up of 43 different little hills. And, and I don't remember all the specifics of the history, but when you look at it, all of the houses are painted different colors because historically there is an issue with paint and finances. So they just took, you know, what they could, but it's the most picturesque part where you can just walk and you do these hills and you, you go in these little crevices and they have like little cafes and shops and you can just be walking and run into people. And then you're right by the majestic sea. It's just it's absolutely beautiful and get seafood meal. And, and just like, it's just magical because you just get that ocean air whenever you're walking around. It's just, and they have plazas everywhere, you know, because they get so much tourism, it's, you feel really safe walking around, which, which I appreciated of, you know, just being in a different place. Um, you know, there were always people that I could ask for directions. There was always shops and, and people, I, I just always felt really safe there. And just being able to walk outside and be by the ocean and, and, and also be able to, you know, uh, jump away, go to somewhere that's historical. That they they just have this one plaza that's really cool. That's like an outdoor museum where the 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 flooring is sort of glass and they open. It's just like really cool where you can go down underneath on holidays and stuff and go into this outdoor museum that's underground. Um, and then of course you just are, you're walking and then you go into a little bakery, you know, just for nourishment, of course. Um, and you get some, you know, just delicious, uh, you know, Chilean goods and stuff to to enjoy the walk. That was probably you're making me want to go. One of my favorite parts of just you're being able to walk. Yeah. Oh, it's totally it's 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 beautiful. Anytime I see pictures of it, it brings tears to my eyes because it just brings so much love and and so many amazing memories and such a fun adventurous time of my life that I think really uh, shaped me and and forced me out of my comfort zone and forced me to face some of my own issues and and helped me to understand what it's like to be the minority in a different culture. And to learn how to appreciate my culture, but also how to to develop it and to be able to integrate pieces of other people's culture. That uh, I can, I spent, two, as I said, two weeks in Peru and then three months in Europe going from country to country for work. And being able, as you said, just feeling like the minority and traveling alone makes as I would tell people, makes you deal with your demons because there's no one else there. <laughs> like yeah. you're, yes. in yes. you're in charge of yourself. Uh, I remember that this was the first time and what taught me that it's okay to be alone. I've lived alone and I still hated it. And 
I after I traveled, I'm like, oh, it's cool. I'll go to lunch by myself or I'll go to, uh, you know, a coffee shop and work by myself. And I never did that before traveling. And one thing that I really dealt with, and this is to bring it back around also to the anger part. I don't know if you experienced this, but each time that I came back from traveling, I almost became so angry at the the luxuries we have in the US and take and the entitlement and how people don't realize how lucky we are and also how the rest of the world normally knows what's going on in the US but the US doesn't really know what's going on in the rest of the world how did you experience that coming home you know it's really interesting can i just kind of like go a sidestep real quick like but it it pertains to what we're talking about is I actually experienced yes. that worse in high school because I had gone on a trip, a mission trip to Nicaragua. Okay. And so, so Chile is, is modern. It's, you know, it has everything. It's, it, you know, it's, it's like being in a major city, right? But Chile is, is a third world's, you know, situation where that is when I was a teenager and came back. That's when I dealt with a lot of anger, a lot of confusion. I, I, it was triggering to go into a Walmart after I came back because I just left a place where, you know, kids who are just being kids like are on dirt floors. So that was, that was harder for me to integrate because I, my brain, it broke something in me. Um, and I think when I came back from Chile, um, there was a, I don't know if anger was the one I, I felt lost. I felt like That's I didn't belong anymore. And it wasn't like, I love the States. I love my family. I love everything. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there, and there's so many amazing things here, but there is, there is magic that if that's the only way I can explain it, that when I'm in another country, I feel. And mm-hmm. there, I just have a really strong connection to, to, um, to Spanish and the Latino culture and, and all of those different things. And the foods, like you were saying, like Peru. I actually just went there for the first time a few years ago with a Chilean friend of mine. So I know yeah. you're like, in, when you, if you go Machu Picchu, it, it, it's everything they say. It's, it's an experience. It's, a it's magical. Experience. It is. It is. And... I think as you were saying, it makes you face your fears. It breaks you out of your cocoon of, and I don't say this in a bad way, but just a privilege that we all create in our own world of, all right, I'm going to go and get my coffee here. I'm going to do this. And it makes you challenge yourself and, and see where for me, I'll keep it in the eye. It's, it showed me where a lot of my insecurities were of that. Maybe we're more protected when I'm in the States. Yeah, I would, uh, for, I, it was the first time that, one thing that I had, I've had a really, really hard time realizing my entire life is I definitely get into my head and think everyone's judging me as I go. Like, no matter what, I'll be sit. I've sat in a coffee shop and I'm like, they're judging me. They're looking at me. I have to fix my hair. I have to fix, like, oh my God, I can't believe they're judging me. And I wouldn't enjoy the experience and having to travel alone, as you said, like really broke me out of my cocoon. One thing that I do also want to circle back on and traveling is a privilege and something that 
so many people are a, I would say scared of doing, uh, even if they have the means to do it. And there's people that don't have the means to do it and want to travel. And I, I would say just in the conversations we're having, I feel like we're both have came from a more privileged background to be able to have these life opportunities. And what would, do you have any suggestions for people that want to travel and may not see how they could ever make that happen or possibilities there? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, one, there's so many great resources out there, and I am always learning about like, you know, my first thing is like how I can improve my finances, how I can learn different ways to save, and because you know I know what it's like, um, you know, when money's really tight, when it's just hard, especially everything in the last two years that people, the world has gone through. But there's so many creative ways and and different money coaches out there and podcasts and and free articles that help you redefine your relationship with money. And so mm-hmm. I would say that's kind of do it because one of the things I, I, I like what you said, it's like, it is a privilege to travel, but I also want to enjoy it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. you have to also know what kind of traveling you want to do. Are you, you know, um, I, I like to research and take the time to plan it. And, you know, I also tr- am, uh, I try to be a bargain shopper of when is the best time to go somewhere? Where can I get the flights? Where can I do this? Am I going alone? You know, I turn it into an adventure because mm-hmm. if this is something I'm putting this en- much energy into, I want it to be fulfilling and I want it to also not break the bank. I, as you're saying that, I, um, I realize, excuse me, I, I also want to mention that there are, for different groups and age ranges, there are options to be able to get sponsorship for travel for like um, having, uh, like working while you're traveling or volunteering as you're traveling and your travel is paid for. I know for myself and later on on the podcast, we'll actually have a financial coach come on and I know for myself, it's been the relationship I have with money was really changing the mindset from scarcity to abundance because living in the life of scarcity is, I could never imagine if you asked me 10 years ago, if if people, even when I was a teen- teenager, when I was like going through all this shit that's in my background, like I never in a million years would have ever imagined that A, I could travel or that work would have sent me or anything like that, that it was really changing my mindset from scarcity to abundance in everything, not just money. And that's one thing that a lot of like personal development um, groups, uh, like I've taken Landmark Forum, which is a very popular one. Starting Block is one I've taken. Um, There's another one like Matthew Hussey Retreat. And those all started helping me with the mindset of and working through my stuff. So that way I could see more in the future. And I just want to bring it back around because a lot of that has a lot to do with our own internal issues. We'll say that, you know, what we're struggling with internally. And I know I've dealt a lot with anger at myself and I made it much more internal than external. A lot of people can have that anger that 
goes to and wanting to, you know, yell and scream at other people where I very much internalized my own um, with self-harm, you know, not setting boundaries, not, you know, having, uh, you know, spending time by myself. How, what's your experience been with the, those who you work with for anger, like what you mentioned earlier, what you specialize in with your groups and your coaching and your therapy, yet how does someone even approach that to go, hey, I have an anger issue? The, the first thing that I do is sort of assess why they're coming to see me. Is it because of the, themselves? Is it because of a referral? Is someone, you know, or there are, I want to assess where the problems are because we sometimes people can be in denial or in confusion about their anger related issues. And one of the approaches that I've learned to take is, is really from a place of validation and being trauma informed of saying, you know, if you're coming to me and someone's saying that you have an anger issue, that's telling me that there's some sort of need that's being expressed in a way that's not adaptive for you. And my job isn't to take the anger away. It's not to eliminate anger. It's to help you develop your relationship with your anger. And for some people, that's more passive. Some are more passive aggressive and some are more aggressive. Can you give me examples of each of those? Sure. Uh, so, for example, a passive person might be someone who uh, just sort of wants to be the chameleon in the wall and doesn't want to make any decisions, doesn't want to make any commitments. Well, Follow th- will will never follow through with commitments. We'll try to avoid conflict at all costs. They're sort of like, um, you know, the doormats of life, the people that we might know or we've mm. ever been there where I'm just not going to have an opinion. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to do what everyone else does because then no one will ever get angry at me. They're so afraid of anger that they avoid it at all costs. Okay. And then passive aggressive has a little bit more fire to it where they're going to do more things with sarcasm with passive aggressive comments and and i hate using the word in the definition but it just kind of comes out sometimes where they'll say something to you but then they'll say something behind your back triangulation um a lot of a lot of uh aggression but in the way where they deny that they're actually doing it so there's a lot of like smoke and mirrors of I'm going to use humor to really, you know, verbally attack you. But then I'm just going to say, well, you know, that's just a joke. You know, that's how I am. And aggressive is where there's much more I'm in your face. There's that element of a threat or intimidation. Like I'm going to overpower you with my aggression. And what people really want to be getting into is what we call assertiveness, which is learning how to have healthy boundaries, healthy communication skills, and to be able to work through conflict with people instead of trying to bulldoze them into what we want. Okay. And so to repeat that back to you, just to make sure I understand the examples, uh, with passive, it's like hey, I'm just going to do whatever everybody else wants to do, but I'm going to hold a lot of resentment in the fact that I'm avoiding all the anger and not having any conflict, but then I'm having a resentment towards them or towards myself. Would you say that's kind of what passive shows up as? Yes, yes. 
Okay. And then like passive aggressive would be like, Hey, so you didn't show up on Sunday, but you know, like I figured it out anyway. Haha, <laughs> just joking. I know you were busy. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then aggressive is more like, what the fuck? You didn't show up on Sunday. Why didn't you show up? Like you were supposed to be there. Like you just let me down, man. Yeah. And I, yeah. And, uh, in your face, definitely in your face. Okay. Okay. That's like the, the opposite I am. So I'm like, <laughs> how do you do that one? Uh, right. right. So anger comes in in so many different flavors. And I don't think I ever thought about it as a, how the passive is an anger yet. I can so see right. it now how you've described it. Because what it is, is emotions are energy. And mm-hmm. if I'm suppressing my anger, if I'm suppressing my disappointment, my resentment, that's going to build in my system and it's got to come out because it's like poison. We're not meant to store that energy in our body. So it's going to come out with, so maybe in more passive people, I might see more depression. I might see more anxious or more anxiety, uh, uh, you know, traits, whereas, you know, with the aggressive people, they're more the ones that are more exploding. They're the ones who might be throwing things or, you know, getting into fights or it, it, it all depends on how they maintain it. We also see when people aren't, people don't have a good relationship with their emotions. We see more addictive traits. So, you know, emotional eating, binge watching, sex, drug, you know, all these different components to kind of mask and suppress that anger and the pain that's really underneath the anger. Interesting. Um, one thing that, and I don't know if you've seen this or agree with it, of uh, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, and oh, yes. I will look up who's it's by if you've never read it. It is something that realized how much I internalized because I'm, I would say I was, I was like a mixture of all three because I'd be passive for so long and then I would just like explode and be really bitchy and very controlling like very controlling. And one thing that I've over all these years of working on it to getting where I'm at right now is the fact that when I read that book, the body keeps the score, I found out how so many of my internal issues, like my body issues, like I would get hives or, you know, I would feel sick all the time was because of that poison I was keeping inside of me. Do you see that in that your book. patients too? Okay, cool. I love that book too. Yeah, I love uh, that book too. yeah, it's great. It's and if it's awesome, it's a great book. Uh, I see it in myself, and I see it in people. You know, I I tend to find that my experiences help me be a better clinician because if I'm if I'm keeping it real and being human and being humble, we we all struggle with these different issues. We all struggle with them in different ways, but the main ingredients are all the same, that, you know, we're human. We hurt. People hurt us. We hurt others. Life happens. It's how do we deal with pain? How do we deal with disappointment? How do we deal with trauma? And we all develop different coping skills. And some more people are more the suppression and more people are the more explosive. And going back to what you asked me a few minutes ago is I have open discussions with my people of how are they seeing it manifest in a non-judgmental way. It's like my job isn't there to judge them or to, you know, shame them. It's to help them see, wow, if you're really getting pissed off, if you're breaking shit, 
let's figure out what needs to be broken. What do you need to get out? And maybe I can give you some different approaches that will do it where you're not feeling drained, where you're not feeling ashamed, where that cycle of violence or anger can finally be broken. I'm that. Oh, that's a, that's a very, very great answer in the fact I, I don't think many of us think about how we go through cycles and how to break those cycles, no matter where we're at on that passive to explosive or suppression to explosive, like you said, what are some, could you give us a tip for each type of, uh, you know, passive or passive aggressive and aggressive, could you give us some tips where just uh, somebody, someone might be able to try to break those cycles or identify those cycles even? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great question. Uh, the, the one thing I always start, uh, you know, keep it simple because when we're in pain and this is, I can say from my experience, when I'm in pain, I don't need something convoluted. I don't need a coping skill that's that's really difficult to do. I need something like a first aid kit. I need something that's going to help in the moment. And one of the things that I do is I teach them some sort of measurement of their anger. And I, I always remember, I don't know if you had this, when I was, I think, kindergarten or first grade when they're teaching you the temperature. And, mm-hmm. you know, they have the giant thermometers, like it's going up and down. That's what, that's how I visualize anger. It's like, are we down where it's cool and, and comfortable and you're like kind of like a cool, cool cucumber or is it rising or is it exploding and really going to that red? And asking yourself, one of the questions and, and people always roll their eyes when I ask them, it's like, what are you feeling throughout the day? Start a journal of saying, wow, I lost my shit at two o'clock. What was going on? Just start looking at it sort of like a map maker of putting the information in to, because what you're really doing is deciphering your own internal language. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I, I'm working through in my head. I know how to identify what I feel and, or, work through those items and something that I've realized is not everyone has that emotional vocabulary. Like I know, for example, if I get off of a call and I'm, you know, feeling upset, I can go, oh, I'm agitated because of X, Y, Z. And this is, so do they need to put the Y or do they just need to put at this moment, I'm feeling agitated. I just got a call, just got off a call, even though I don't know why. I don't want to give a blanket answer because I think everyone has different needs. Okay. What I try to do, it, it all depends on the level of awareness. If they had your, yeah, I'm irritated and this is why, that might work. If people aren't even aware that they're agitated, then I'm going to go even back and go like baby, baby steps. So that's where I ask them. I'll introduce emotions of I want you like if you get a feelings chart, it, I'm just trying to like give a give a really broad vision because if they don't know what their emotions, I have to give them the language. 
you know, it's it's like going to France and not speaking France French. Wow, <laughs> sorry. You're going to learn, you know, bonjour, grat, merci. You're going to learn some of the basic words. It's the same thing with our emotions. And part of the work that I try to do is help people understand what education do you have on your emotions? Do you use emotional vocabulary? Do you not? It's once again, it's not judgment, but it's assessing the problem. What are we working with? Mm -hmm. So that's where, and what I'll say is like when I'm running a group, I'll say, all right, let's do a check-in, which is just your first name and how you're feeling. Good, bad, okay, all right, aren't feeling words. I want sad, happy. I will give examples. And because it's really learning a new language for a lot of people. And so what I want them to do is figure out what they're feeling, positive, negative, or neutral. If you're feeling calm, if you're feeling chill, if you're feeling agitated, just write it down and maybe like what's going on around it because we're going to analyze it. And then if you're having, for example, like you're feeling agitated, one of the aspects that I always teach people is emotions are, are like a layered cake. The anger is the frosting on the cake, and we have to decipher what the cake is made out of. So you can be really angry or agitated, but underneath that agitation is their shame, is their fear, is their sadness. Because that's where a lot of the emotional turmoil and pain gets stuck. Is there any resources that outside of therapy that you know of that give people a space to learn emotional language and feeling language. You can think on it. You when, can let me know afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll have to, because there's so many great resources. I have to say, uh, this is one area that I'm really developing in my work that I love is, is really actually working with men. Okay. Because I feel in my own experience as a man and working with men, there, there's a limitation in so many cases where men are allowed to be content or pissed off. Mm -hmm. And so when, uh, when people are saying when they're, you know, they don't have any other language. So one of the books that I always recommend, and I can send you some other ones is by um, John Kim. I used to be a miserable fuck. Okay. And what that does is it really goes into the emotional wellness of what men go through. And, of course, everyone of any gender can can read it and get something out of it. But he writes it from a man's perspective, you know, in, in his journey and learning how to say there are a lot of blockages that prevent people in general from really developing a healthy emotional relationship themselves. And And I'm really glad you brought that up because a big reason – there's like a few main topics of what caused me to start this podcast. And it's like um, the BIPOC community and, you know, also our Asian American, our Asian community as well, not just Asian American, but the what goes into their mental health, the LGBTQ plus community. And then a huge focus for me is men's mental health. I think we talked about that during the intro call, but I forgot to mention it before this is I think that really does relay back into anger because that's considered, you know, an okay way of showing things. And I can only imagine uh, for myself with my, my partner, Tyler, he 
he's able to be like the calming source out of everything. And when we're going through, you know, hard times together where it's an external thing, we do work really well together and we're on the same team, yet he is my safety net. He is who I go to for comfort. He is who can calm me down through my panic attacks or I will probably always battle with self-harm issues that when I downward spiral and I'm in therapy to help deal with that, but you know, whatever relationship I'm in will, will have to deal with it with me. It's, it's not something that I can hide. And I can only imagine the shit he builds up and holds on to because I want to be there for him as well. Yet I know that he doesn't necessarily want to burden me with it. A, because he's concerned. We've talked about this a bit. He's concerned I'm going to take it personal. And that's something I'm working on as well. It's more of, it's a different dynamic. And I I would love how you would suggest two men to like a kind of learn how to talk about it and create that safety with themselves, with their friends, with their relationships to not build up because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but men's suicide rates are much higher than women's suicide rates. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's so hard. There's this, um, I'll have to send it to you. I think his name is Tony Parker. He does this amazing YouTube Ted talk video about the man box. And he he just goes into this amazing story about his own journey with it and how he saw that his, his limitations of being a man, it, it just is amazing of like how it affects his parenting. And, you know, it just like pulls on your heartstrings. It's so hard because there's so many different components where, you know, when we hear the terms toxic masculinity, I get where that comes from. And I, and I understand we have to have those discussions, but it, it promotes the belief that masculinity is bad and it, it, it creates sort of this divide of, well, I don't want to even explore toxic masculinity and really what it means because you're basically saying like, I'm going to have to be a woman or be less of a man. If I, you know, like everything I am is toxic. So I don't really care for that phrase as much. What I, I try to go to is more about emotional wellness because I think that's a little bit more easy because I think we all need that. Um, you know, for men that I see so often is they don't have a safe place at all to, to learn, to talk about, to process because they've never seen the example, you know, in, in the world, you know, I've seen so many situations where, um, you know, we could talk about couples as well of being able to be in a, you know, the relationship between a heterosexual couple specifically is on my mind of, you know, he's not showing any emotion, but then when he does show emotion and it's not the one that she wants, so then it's wrong again. So there's so many Ooh. mixed messages where he finally, you know, can be vulnerable, but then he's told he's wrong. So there's all these confusing messages from men that say, well, I want you to feel this, but not that. And then you shouldn't feel this, but then you should do that. So then they just stop giving a shit and say, I'm just going to shut it all off. And how uh, in that, you know, example of a heterosexual relationship, how do uh, we as women not do that (laughs) or support that or, uh, you know, send that many mixed emotions because I have a feeling I'm guilty of that too? Uh, You have to give your partner the dignity of their reaction. 
and, and do stop you, internalizing their reactions. You have to give them the dignity to say, you have the right to feel what you're feeling and I love you enough to hold this space and that your emotions aren't a reflection on me. You know what I'm saying? That's because powerful. I think, so, I think there's a difference between you did something that angered me to I'm angry because of this. There's, it's two different situations. And I think if we've ever been wounded, and I can speak from experiences where that insecurity comes in, of if you're angry, that means you're going to leave me. If you're upset with me, if you're, you're going to leave me, you're going to abandon me. But mm-hmm. then what am I doing? I'm holding someone captive with my own demons. I have that makes to heal a lot those of sense. Wounds. Yeah, I have to heal those wounds. And that's, that's not like a one and done. It's an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. When, when I'm working with couples, when, whatever the situation is, you know, they'll, most of the times they'll come and say, well, we don't communicate. Well, your communication might be off, but you do communicate. It's really about the emotional connection. Which kind of stems back into what we've been talking about is our own relationship with our emotions. And how do we start building that? Sorry, there was a scratch at my door, and I think my dog is outside my door. And I was like, what is that? Um, <laughs> sorry, that scared me a bit. Um, what, is, <laughs> uh, what is... Oh, that... like It goes so deep. And uh, where is the space, or how do we start the conversation of the resources to, yes, I, I a hundred percent am such an advocate for therapy. Like I'm going to be starting the reprocessing, uh, process, uh, for EMDR, which is, Ooh, I'm excited for you. Is it? Okay. Uh, I movement decide, uh, desensitization, desensitization and reprocessing therapy. Okay, repress. I always forget the R. Um, so I'm really excited for it. My oh, therapist and I, you. my therapist and I, and I'm really grateful she did this. Has um, because of the book, uh, you know, your body keeps the score really talks about it. Uh, and that book also goes into you know different types of therapy, which I really appreciate. One thing that I really appreciate from my therapist because that book said, Hey, you don't actually need your therapist never needs to know what's going on beforehand to talk you through how to do it. And my therapist did take the time to get to know me to go through all of my trauma because she's like, I don't want us to miss something. I don't want us to, you know, for you to be like, Oh, Hey, six months down the road. Hey, I forgot this, which can still happen because I know, um, from the research I've done and what she's told me is it can open up a lot of memories as well. And it's really cool in the aspect of while I'm doing this podcast, like I need to work on my own story and I'm working with a storytelling coach. And then my therapist is helping me change the, you know, um, trauma memory to just a memory, which that all resurfaced for me last year on, um, when I had my brain surgery, I had a craniotomy that went through my right temple, uh, because I have an arachnoid cyst. So they had to build like a little tunnel in there to drain the arachnoid cyst into my normal brain fluid. What 
what there's not a lot of studies on and no one really warned me because it's not like a known thing is if surgery on that side of the brain can actually re-trigger all of long-term memories because that's where your long-term memories are stored in your brain itself. And so that all resurfaced in um, November 2020. And that's really helped me go, okay, I really need to deal with that. All of what I'm <laughs> leading up to and saying is, yes, therapy is is magical and such a huge resource, yet I know for myself, not all therapies work for everyone. Not all therapists are created equal because I, I will say it's been easier to talk to you and connect to you than 20 therapists that I've been to because they were all kind of like dick bags. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, that's kind of a mean thing to say. Like, they were females too. I do want to shout that out, uh, you know, say that. But they they would just throw resources at me. They didn't want really listen to me. They wanted to, um, they wouldn't call me out if I didn't show up. Like, and I would, in something that I always dealt with is I could get to know my therapist more than they got to know me as a defense mechanism. And how that leads to two questions. How do people get, find their type of therapy and how do they realize that this is their therapist? Like somebody that creates that safe space, especially if they don't, they've never had that safe space before. I'm, I'm going to throw out something of maybe changing the word safe to secure. Okay. Why? Because so so I'm a certified EMDR therapist. So I'm so excited you're in good hands, and because I absolutely love it. Because a lot of times, people in my experience, they've been violated by someone who is supposed to be safe. Oh yes, yes, hundred percent. So you're going to come into my office, and I'm telling you, oh yeah, this is a safe place. It's like I could be triggering you or re-traumatizing you, and we don't even know it, right? So one of the things that I'm seeing in the the trauma-informed care profession is really transitioning a little bit more to the word secure. It's like, do you feel secure in this moment? Do you feel like, because some people may never really feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the idea is you, for for me, I, I want someone who's going to be knowledgeable who's going to be respectful i like humor so i need to be able to swear with them and be crazy and be wild and and catch, like if i'm in therapy i need someone who can keep up with me because my mind i have this hour this is like i need to let everything out but mm -hmm. also give me tools and validation but also challenge me because what i know is i know i can get in my head that can be a great place but it can also be an unhealthy place so i need someone to help me slow down and say patrick you're doing this again can we explore this behavior? Where does this come from? What is the belief here? What is the emotion? What is the wound here? Because if I'm not going into the wounds, I'm never mm -hmm. going to heal them. I'm, I'm, I'm inter like laughing, not as like a, because I love that my therapist does that. And one thing that I said at the very beginning is I was like, I cannot know anything about you at all. <laughs> like I cannot know anything right. about you, which right. like, is amazing, but it kind of sucks because she is, has, she's younger. She has a bunch of tattoos and she cusses just as much as I do. Like she will, she's even been like, Jen, no, 
that's that's not the direction we're going. That's you know, that's fucked up, or you know, I'm totally paraphrasing right. just to give an example. And the reason I'm laughing at that what you just said though is I'm like, I'll tell her something and she's like, So how do you feel about that? Like where where's that coming from? I'm like, fuck. I don't know. And she'll she'll keep asking those questions. And it's amazing because then and this is something that I love about therapy is I the therapist will ask enough questions to get me to answer myself and find the answer within myself. And it's annoying, but it's really good. <laughs> right. right. And you have to, you have to feel comfortable and your, uh, what I found is that it can change. Like sometimes you're with a clinician for a certain amount of time and sometimes the relationship changes or you change and you need someone with a different approach that's okay. It's it's not always about starting over from scratch because you don't need to rehash your whole story because you're not mm-hmm. the same person, right? And finding someone who who you feel comfortable with, and that might take a while, unfortunately. And just like you're saying, is sometimes we need more than just therapy. We need we need to build. Someone said to me once, "You need to build your own team," and mm-hmm. that might be a spiritual advisor, it might be coaching, it might be numerous coaching. It's friends and family, uh, you know, mm-hmm. all these different components because we deserve that. Mm-hmm. And when those needs aren't getting met, we kind of go back to what we started with today is then we go into deprivation, we go into survival mode, we go into protective, we become more raw. And then what happens? We become more angry because we're more in survival mode when our needs aren't getting met. Yeah. That mindset of scarcity versus abundance, because that is another thing that, that I I don't think I would have been able to go through a lot of the therapy or even start this podcast if it wasn't for Tyler, because he has made our relationship so safe. And he has taught me that even if I get angry, even if I go anywhere, he's not going to go anywhere and we're going to talk this shit out, even if I really don't want to, because it's my, it's always been my go-to of running. I've always been a runner. I've moved like 30 times because I'd be like, fuck this place. I'm, I'm out. And that's not healthy either. It was, you know, good for a while because it, it kept me safe physically, especially during my high school years. Like it it needed to happen, but I don't need that anymore. And, um, I find that now we talked about like finding the right therapist and, those resources. Now, therapy, there are, there's resources out there that are not always paid for. Um, And also like I went through self-development groups to actually give that really helped me get to the point of being able to feel like I could go to therapy. Um, What resources do you know of that are out there that you think help just getting started on the journey if somebody doesn't feel like they're ready for therapy? I would say listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos. Um, There's so many great resources on social media now. If people don't like social media, it's hard because, you know, I think self-help books sometimes can be a little tricky. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, some people love reading. For example, I do a weekly free newsletter that 
people find helpful where every month we focus on a different aspect of life and, you know, being able to connect to that. And that that's a free resource. There's so many great free things out there that people can do. And it just, the idea is you want something that's going to get you moving because mm-hmm. when we're stuck, that's when the most damage is happening because nothing can grow nothing can prosper. So what is something that's going to help me identify the depression, the anger, the trauma, the, the ADHD, whatever it might be, the, the addiction, Mm -hmm. what's going to help me move enough so then I can say, this is the direction I need to go in. Mm -hmm. And thank you for that. Because I think one thing I really do want to mention, and I learned this from the Matthew Hussey retreat. If you haven't like for our listeners and for you, if you haven't heard of Matthew Hussey, he's a dating coach and he's like, uh, on YouTube, Instagram, all of that. Um, And even if you're in a relationship, it's mostly made for women, but even if you are any gender, because it really teaches communication skills and finding your worth and how you project that. So I suggest it for everyone. What one thing that I really took away that explained so much of this hardship that I couldn't explain is when you start, when you make that decision to make that change, when you start to, you know, look into this content or you look into, um, the, you start therapy is there's this phrase that he said, the teething period where as you're changing as a person, you may get a lot of pushback from people that you know, from your society, from your, you know, your, your group of people, from people at work, because you yourself are changing. So people, a, a lot of times are really hard. It's very hard for them to deal with change as well as, you know, if you're no longer being passive, you know, and being that doormat and you're creating those boundaries, that's hard for people to accept. Because it's, you know, it's new for them and they may not be a good fit in your life anymore. And could you go, can you, do you, are you picking up what I'm putting down and could you go into yeah, that absolutely. a little more? <laughs> well, because I, I kind of want to just say a couple things too is, and I meant to say this earlier is, is when we're looking at going back to the, for men is anyone like change doesn't mean you stop being who you are. I think that's a Mm -hmm. a big fear is Mm -hmm. if I start reading this, if I start exploring this, that I'm going to stop being who I am. And it's not about not being who you are. It's about becoming the best, healthiest version of who you are. And adding to that, adding to that real quick, uh, that is something that I think, I don't know if this helps with men, I'm, uh, so, you know, let me know, but we're not who we are a year ago. Like we've changed, we've had experiences. So it's also just part of the evolution. So if you're like, ah, I think I'm my best self right now. Yeah, you probably, you might be yet. It's an evolution. We all evolve as we grow older. Right. And it doesn't, we're not losing ourselves by growing. I mean, mm-hmm. cause I use the example. It's like when you're, you know, you're an adult, would you wear the same clothing you would wear when you were in first grade? No, because it doesn't fit. But I might wear the same style, just straight up. I was super colorful back then. I, and I now I have Jen. I have no doubt. <laughs> and but now I were... have gold overalls. Like I wish I had those when I was in first grade. Just straight up. But that's that's a little different and a totally different right. story. <laughs> then we focus. Back to focus. <laughs> 
<laughs> FYI, everyone, I am super ADHD. And even with medication, it shines through. Right. But in the sense of because you've grown from when you were in the first grade. Yes. It doesn't fit yes. anymore. But you don't judge yourself for that. I um and that I think is one of the biggest fears is if I change, am I gonna lose the people I love? Mm-hmm. And then I don't have an answer for that because I everyone has to experience that of are you gonna not live because of someone else? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna hold yourself back? Are you gonna live yourself unfulfilled and unhappy? why that other person isn't making those same sacrifices because those aren't sacrifices we're supposed to make. We're not supposed to not live for someone else. But when we, when we're missing that confidence and that self love and that self assurance, those doubts can be mighty loud. Mm -hmm. And that I remember from, um, the musical, I don't know if you've seen it, Wicked, there's this one song in Defying Gravity in where she's saying, I might be flying solo, but at least I'll be flying free. Mm-hmm. And I to haven't me, seen it, but that's of, powerful. Okay. It's, it's like the idea of the, like, I might be flying, I might be alone in this, but at least I'll be free. And to me, that's always been my anthem. But the thing is, the tricky thing is, you know, the people who need to be with us are going to find us. We're going to, it's not about being alone. It's like when we're in scarcity and we're constantly in fear of losing people, we are more alone mm-hmm. than ever before. But when we actually learn how to love ourselves and learn how to have healthy relationships, that fulfillment is only going to help us grow. A hundred percent. And I think that's also something I, that I really want to pinpoint on is to your point, uh, it, how how is it said? Uh, it's um, I may be fri- flying solo, but I, I'm flying free. It, th- that is really powerful because once you can find yourself, which is a very hard journey, everybody. Like people say, oh, I'm finding myself. That shit sucks, but it's so worth it. Like it is really hard and so worth it. So I don't want to like pretend like this is like the easiest journey ever. It's the type of thing that, as you're saying, like when we go from that scarcity mindset to just even just being on the journey, our energy changes. Our, like what we put out in the world changes. So we attract people that are going to build us up. So we may be, we don't necessarily need to be alone to be free. I feel the freest that I ever have in the last like year oddly since brain surgery, because it made me deal with shit, then I have my entire life. And I am have more people supporting me. But it took so much time for me to get to this point and also realize I have more people cheering me on than I ever thought I did. Because I always struggled with the fact that I didn't feel that I was worthy. So Working on that, I found a lot more support than I ever thought I had. And then also, you know, piggybacking off of that, of all of the people you touch by doing this podcast. I'm so excited about it, though, because <laughs> that is uh, one one of the biggest things that I'm struggling with is, like, 
how to talk about like the Patreon or sponsors or like sharing and that kind of stuff because I don't want it to feel salesy. And the only reason I'm doing like the Patreon and stuff is to, do you know what Patreon is? Okay. So Patreon is where like people can do like a monthly uh, payment. Like I think the low tier one is like $2 a month to like, I think the highest uh, me and the team set up is like $25 a month and like getting that funded because it goes into, I really feel like this podcast is seriously going to help people at least get them started on their journey and make that. And my hope is that they, they find an episode or someone that they can really relate to that makes them no longer feel alone because that is, I've always fit in more with the outsiders than the popular crew. Yet I know as an outsider, it's not, you don't always fit in. And I wish I realized that I never wanted to fit in back then. I feel like I would have, you know, (laughs) that would have helped. So this Patreon is here because I really need to work on marketing or eventually, you know, work with a social media person because I'm best on like, you know, interviewing people and having this conversation. I'm not best at video editing or, you know, social media or social media ads or in all of that part. So like a Patreon is set up to be able to help fund those type of things. So eventually my goal is to make this self-funding where I, this is a passion project for me, but I'm spending so much money to do it (laughs) that I'm just like, maybe this Patreon will at least help me like, you know, have it pay for itself. And that's the biggest goal. (laughs) But um, how... What is just like on that note, what is something that, you know, as we uh, start to go to end the episode today, what is something like words of encouragement that you wish you told yourself back then, or you would want our listeners to know, to, you know, encourage them in their life? One thing I would say is asking yourself along the way is what would I do if I had no fear? And that will bring some clarity into where you're making your decisions, where you're not, what's in what you're getting stuck on. And I don't know, like never stop fighting, whether it's for yourself or for someone else of, you know, how can I take what's going on in my life to pay it forward, to help someone else. And I think when we're in pain, when we're struggling, we can become really, I can become really selfish and I can become self-absorbed. But when I, when I think of how can this pain or this struggle possibly help me help someone else in the future, it breaks me out of that selfishness and it helps me heal faster than I could have before. So being able to see if fear is holding me back and also how is this going to help me grow as a person? hundred percent. And adding to that real quick is journaling, I think is a really good way of thinking through those items. I know for myself, I, I think this is about, you know, being a millennial, but my hand gets tired writing. So sometimes I type it, but it doesn't really have the same impact yet. Being able to reflect back on something really, really 
has helped me when I'm putting my thoughts to paper or to computer. Because then I can reflect back yeah, on how I was feeling. Back on how I was feeling. Yeah, and that's what I started when I did my when I started my. It was almost a year ago, like January, February, uh, where I started the consistent weekly free newsletter that I do, where I was choosing topics that were coming up in my life, and I just happened to share my experiences, and I would just write them down or something like that, and then people could relate to them, and then being able to ask, share the questions that I asked myself when I'm getting stuck or when I'm growing or when I'm experiencing abundance or joy, you know, like it's, it's not all the heavy stuff. It's the sweetness too of being able to, we have to look at it in balance. It's like a good chocolate chip cookie recipe. You add a little salt so you can enjoy the sweetness even better. That is so true. And (laughs) now, uh, how do people reach out to you or follow you? Or if you aren't a social media guy, like what, is there any call to action that you would give our audience? Sure. So my website, patrickminnett.com, is sort of like the main platform of where I'm at. Is uh, It's where all my social media is, so you can find it. I'm on all this. So, like, I do a lot of Instagram and Facebook. I do a bi-weekly uh, video show podcast called Friday Night Feels, and that's on YouTube as well. Um, so you can just go to patrickminnett.com and connect with me and send me an email or follow me on social media and connect with me that way. Yay. And last thing, Patrick, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for this conversation because it really actually helped me, you know, see where I've grown, where I'd like to grow, but also talking about some beautiful parts of my life and getting to know you in a really beautiful way has been amazing. So I'm really grateful for our conversation today and getting to know you. Well, thank you for that. And uh, ditto for my grateful, but I also want to share something different so that way I'm not just copying you. I would say, um, because it's true, and I I am grateful for the fact that we were able to talk about types of therapy, how to deal with your, like, how to find your therapist, men's mental health, and so much of this conversation. Yet one thing I really, really want to point out, because gratitude can start, and this is something, the reason I bring it up is it really helped me go from scarcity to abundance. I mean, it took years. So I'm not, I don't want to like, you know, fool anybody that it's like, oh, I'm going to do this for a week. And all of a sudden things are going to be better. Um, So for something as little as I'm grateful for my cup of matcha, or I mean, that is something I'm grateful for because um, I'm not a morning person. (laughs) And I'm, or something that I know that is really helpful is even something like I'm grateful for if somebody let me in in traffic because there's so many little things that we can be grateful for that I think so many of us don't think about. So thank you, Patrick, and we will talk soon. Hey, thank you for listening to Shit You Don't Want to Talk About and being a part of the change from shit you don't want to talk about to shit to talk about. That being said, make sure to subscribe, like, share on all of our social medias. It is shit, the number two, talk about. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. I am not doing a great job remembering all of these off the top of my head. And on YouTube. And on YouTube, just as a heads up, we could really use the likes and comments and subscribing. And 
on the rest of the platforms, make sure to join the conversation. Hit us up. Let us know what you thought about an episode. We really do want to make this for you. It's shit you don't want to talk about. So what shit do you want to learn about? What shit's been too hard to bring up? Is it too hard to bring up to your parents, to your partner, to a loved one, to yourself? Let us know. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, please go to shittotalkabout.com and go to contact and you'll see the guest form down at the bottom. We hope to hear from you soon and thank you for joining Shit You Don't Want to Talk About.